Welcome to The Alamon Show. Here, we'll discover the success stories of local business trailblazers, where we discuss topics from marketing strategies to community engagement. You'll gain practical insights for your own venture. Join us weekly to celebrate and learn from our local entrepreneurial heroes. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and become a part of our growing community of business enthusiasts and entrepreneurs. Now, let's get started. All right, tell me a little bit about um, the market right now. Well, the market right now is a little bit strange for buyers. One, because the interest rates have gone up so much. And the other thing is you have buyers that would potentially buy, but they have a golden handcuff. And what I mean by a golden handcuff is they have an interest rate that's below 3%. And it's very tough to want to go and buy a more expensive home, have a higher mortgage payment, and sometimes pay more more for less. So the thing is, people figure out a way to make it work for them. And often it means renovations like updating bathrooms, kitchens, uh, replacing flooring, maybe changing a room around or even finishing a basement. Yeah. What's the solution? Like, what what do you think is going to happen over the next couple of years? Well, over the couple next couple of years, I see the, re- the rates continuing to stabilize. I'm really hoping with the coming election that the uh, rates may actually drop a couple of percentage points. But what people have to realize, we're actually in the middle of a market correction. And what I mean by market correction was it was unreal for us to have uh, 2% uh, interest rates. We hadn't had interest rates sub 3% in 60 years. So right now, things are just leveling out back to what they're supposed to be, because I often make this example of people. My first home that I bought back in 1982 when I was living in Houston, I paid 12% interest for it. But how much was the house? Yeah, the house was a lot less, though. (laughs) Because my first home was $60,000 and it was a 2,000 square foot rancher. That's what I'm saying. When I hear people say that, I'm like, yeah, but the houses were probably half the price as well. Because I remember just a couple of years ago when I bought my house, or not a couple, like four years ago when I bought my house, it was a, what it was then versus what it is now is like $400,000 difference. Like, oh, right? And you're right. And, and, and that's the rub, because for me, it's frustrating because I want to help first time home buyers, And often they get priced out of the market because this yeah. is such an expensive area. I mean, we basically turned into the northern California of the uh, mid-Atlantic because it's so expensive to live here. But I mean, we've also been insulated because uh, during recessions or times where the economy has been bad, Washington has been insulated because of the federal government. The jobs that are related to the federal government. So prices are going to continue to go up. And for the people that say, oh, I'll wait, the market's going to crash like it did in 2007. I don't really see it happening right now with all of the tech that we have in the area. You have the Dulles Corridor. You have Tyson's. Uh, Apple was actually talking about building a campus in the Tyson's area. There's a lot of development out here in Ashburn because... uh, well, they said that probably 80% or more of the internet traffic in the world comes down Loudoun County Parkway with all the data centers. So there's always going to be some work here, but it's a matter of just finding affordable housing. Yeah. How did you get into real estate? Well, I got into real estate after I retired from the federal government. This is like a third career for me. I find myself reinventing myself over and over again. And uh, the thing is, what made me interested in real estate was I've invested uh, in some uh, rental properties 
and uh, between the rental properties I've owned and my personal properties that I've owned in the past, I probably owned about 15 homes. So I'm kind of familiar with the process. And to even piggyback on that, my first home that I bought when I was in Houston back in 1982, at that time I was probably 24 years old. Um, I went to the builder. I didn't use a realtor. And they basically said when I got to settlement, well, sign here, sign here, sign here, or you don't get the house. And I never wanted anybody else to have that same experience where you're just frustrated, where you feel like you're being held hostage. And it's like, if you want this house, just sign this. Don't ask any questions. So I'm there for my clients from the minute we have a uh, initial meeting where they reach out to me or I may meet them at some event or some networking or something or as past friends and family or even past clients. But uh, what I do is I'm there from the very beginning. We'll have a consultation where there's buying or selling. And I actually walk them through the process. And after that, I'm there with you from uh, putting the house on the market to settlement and answering any questions and all calls and texts. That's been huge for me in building my business because often people will say, well, I don't care if I text you at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night. You always respond. And I say, well, I have to. I care about my clients. So what are your thoughts on boundaries? Uh, boundaries in what way? Boundaries uh, between you and your clients. Well, I mean, uh, the thing is, I have to at some point uh, tell people that depending on what's going on, if we're in the middle of writing an offer, I'm going to be responsive all through the night. But if it's somebody that just wants to see houses and have a discussion, it's like, uh, could we do this in the morning? Because <laughs> after eight o'clock, you know, I'm trying to have dinner. I'm trying to relax and, you know, just have some me time. So that can be a challenge, but I try to give people the attention that they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in the next few years? Well, I think I'll continue to be a top producer, but I mean, at some point. I like that humble brag. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, I'm just saying because I work hard to be able to uh, have a continuing business. I'm always networking. I do events with uh, my friend Gary Clark, the former uh, Washington Redskins player. And Gary helps me out a lot with my business, too. I mean, we're great friends. It's a great business partnership and friendship. And uh, uh, again, with these different funnels I have for my business, I see myself continuing to be busy. And uh, I'm actually considering getting my Maryland and West Virginia uh, licenses. And if I do, I'm going to have to build a team at that point because it's going to be more than I can handle by myself. How does that make you feel about building a team? Well, kind of mixed emotions on that because for my past clients, I have to work with them because I've earned a level of trust with them and I can't just hand them off to somebody, even though I've trained them to do things the way that I do it. But I mean, for people that are new leads that they bring in on their own, you know, they would work with them. Or if it's somebody that's a new lead for me, that's reached out to me from my website, from my social media or from some networking or however I met them, I would work with uh, the team member to take care of them so we could make sure and give them the, uh, I guess, Wade Sales VA experience. There we go. <laughs> um, what's something about your industry that you wish more people understood? Well, we just had this discussion yesterday at NVAR, as a matter of fact, because I'm on two committees there. I'm on standard forms and professionalism and ethics. And we were just talking about how people need to understand that when uh, 
a realtor has a listing and asks for a commission to pay themselves and the uh, buyer's agent, uh, that they have to understand we have expenses because, I mean, I do reels, I do uh, social media marketing, I do digital marketing, uh, I take pictures, I do video tours at a home. Uh, I don't just hang a sign and then just wait for MLS to sell the house. People are under the uh, misunderstanding during COVID that these houses were just selling themselves because of the interest rates. But there are a lot of good agents out there that put a lot of work into advertising and promoting your home. I agree with that. But I think there's also a lot of not so good agents that literally do just that. They will take really crappy pictures that I swear that they just grabbed their phone, left all the junk in the corner, left everything that like the house as is, and then just snapped some pictures, threw it on the MLS and said, all right, we'll wait and see. And then you just see it like two weeks later, minus $10,000, another month later, minus $20,000 versus hiring an agent that's going to like give it the marketing that it deserves. That way you don't have to keep cutting the asking price. Oh, I agree a hundred percent on the whole thing of there are some agents that will take cell phone pictures, but on the, uh, on the pricing, that's often a mixed bag too, because sometimes the buyers, because they have an, I mean, not the buyers, the sellers, because of their emotional attachment to their home, You're right. they feel that their home is worth more than it is. Whereas I can show them comparables in the neighborhood and say, well, listen, this house sold for this. And it's like, yeah, but my house is nicer than theirs. You, and, and, and that's one of the uh, challenges of being a listing agent, yeah. that you have to get people comfortable that because you do this every day, you're knowledgeable at what you're doing and you're not pricing the house to give it away because, I mean, you have a vested interest, too, because your commission is higher if you could sell it for more. Yeah. So you're not going to give away someone's house. Agreed. And I think that's that's how you can tell, though, is if it's dropping prices and the pictures look like absolute like poop. Oh, it's definitely right? like, it's definitely <laughs> a well presented home and then it's having to go down. It's like I right. should have listened to your agent. <laughs> exactly. Because, I mean, I've had situations, too, where I've actually uh, well, I never charge my client. Well, I take that back. It depends on the price point. I typically will pay for the staging myself. Oh, the staging. I forgot about that. Yeah, That's because, I mean, I have expense. staging and decluttering because often I tell people, listen, you want people to picture themselves in your home, so you have to depersonalize your home. Sometimes it means moving some things around or taking things out of a room so you can show the spaciousness of it. And other times it's just family pictures make people say, oh, well, I'm caught up in, I think that kid goes to school with my child or yeah. something like that. Or I saw this guy at the gym or I saw this woman at the grocery store. Take those pictures down yeah. because people have to picture themselves being in your home yeah. and making it their home. Yeah. Whereas they come in and get caught up in looking at all this other stuff and you haven't gotten over the emotional of att attachment of this isn't your home anymore. It's on the market to be sold so you can move on to next. Yeah, that's such good tips. Uh, personal life. How do you balance the two between business and personal? It's often a challenge because, see, I have grandchildren and now that I have grandchildren, I try to make time to spend with them. But this is also a convenience industry. People are usually seeing homes when after they get off work, after between three or three or five o'clock or later, because I show homes until nine o'clock at night often when I'm working with buyers. And the thing is, being available to people like that 
it often becomes a challenge for me to go out to dinner. I'll be out at dinner and I'll have a text message come in or somebody just called me. They didn't text and say, well, are you busy? Are you enjoying dinner? Are you in the middle of something? And, you know, I have a, a nice, polite message telling them that I'm probably busy and I will get back to you and I do get back to you. But I mean, even on vacation, I'm uh, working, checking on people that have been to my website, following up on emails, but I try to enjoy myself. I try to limit it to one or two hours while I'm on vacation and on a good day, I don't have to do any work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's as long as you enjoy it and love it. Right. I know it can probably be hard, but as long as you're loving what you're doing, um, I know like me personally, I've been in like phases where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I love everything. And then I've been in phases where I'm like, I just need like a week of not talking to anybody. (laughs) No, well, it does get like that. But the thing is, I'm passionate about helping people. And I think it comes from my public uh, service background. Tell me about that if you don't mind. Well, the public service background is I actually retired from Congress 10 years ago. I worked as a congressional staffer on both the House and the Senate side, working uh, as a software developer first, then uh, working as a uh, system admin for uh, email and for websites. And then uh, last of all, project manager and just the whole IT background. It makes me analytical and I try to uh be details oriented, but I try not to uh, overwhelm people with information because I just had this discussion yesterday at NVAR because they were talking about trying to have a a scripted uh, buyer or seller presentation. And for me, I think it goes case by case because sometimes you can flood people with too much information. And often if they have too much information or too many choices, it confuses them and they can't make a decision. I'd rather respond with answers and let you lead the conversation by giving me questions. That way you get the information you need. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. Um, That's so true. Why are you so involved with the NVAR? Well, it's actually made me a better agent and I wish I would have done it sooner because I had gone to NVAR for a few events and uh, the guy that was president at that time, uh, Reverend uh, Reggie Copeland, he encouraged me. He said, you seem like a good guy. Uh, do you enjoy uh, working and helping with others? And I'm like, I'm probably the oldest Boy Scout you'll ever meet. I mean, I've always wanted to help people. I was involved in the church growing up. I was in uh, civic groups and all growing up as a kid, especially in high school when I wasn't playing sports and studying. I was out helping. What sports did you play? Baseball, basketball, football, and ran track. It's pretty much everything. Anything with hand and eye coordination and it involves speed. There you go. Because even as big as I am at six foot six, I ran a four four forty and Dang. had a and and, and and had a forty two inch vertical. Wow. So I was an athletic freak, which caused most of my injuries and prevented me from going on to another level. Aww. Just doing silly stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um in terms of in terms of like marketing and building your business, if you were speaking to a small business owner, not just necessarily a real estate agent, because you might be recruiting real estate agents in the future, expand (laughs) when you expand, but just overall small business owners, what's some advice that you could give them specifically to the Northern Virginia area and what you've seen? Well, I think the biggest thing is 
first of all, try to do your research before you even get into this, because often people think real estate is so easy. I know you said any other business, but especially during COVID, it's like, oh, I see Charles killing it. Oh, I see Keisha killing it or I see Richard killing it. I should be able to do this, too. And, you know, uh, people like Keller Williams oversimplify things and say, well, you know, 10 people and they know 10 people and you're able to uh, get business that way. But often when you're a new agent starting out or even a new business, you have to work to earn trust. And I find that a lot of networking is involved when you first start a business, when you decide on what you want to try and don't be afraid to fail. It's just like with sports. You practice until you succeed or you practice until you don't fail because it actually becomes instinct for me when I was playing sports that you practice harder than you played in the game. So the game was easy because you didn't even have to think about it. It was like a reflex. You saw a situation pop up and you reacted. You didn't have to think. Same thing in business. Try to have a plan and uh, don't be afraid, afraid to modify or uh, adjust the plan. Because I tell people all the time, if people were honest with you, nobody succeeds 100 percent of the time. The, the first time they try something, you're going to have missteps and learn as you go. Don't be afraid to fail and show up for work every day. Those things that help you to be successful, like calling people, going out and meeting people, uh, just staying engaged with people to stay top of mind. Those things are very important. And uh, like for your photography business. Uh, what did you do to get out there and let people know what you did? Turning the tables. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just saying because. Yeah, 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 it's the same thing. Everything that you're saying, the networking, right? Yeah. Getting, uh, providing that five level star service, being able to follow up with people consistently, showing up consistently for people face to face as well as online. It's all the foundational basics that's going to apply to every single business. Exactly. And I consider myself a quick study. That's the thing that's been able to help me out with anything that I do, because uh, I don't want to be the person that's a jack of all trades and master of none. So it's going to be some missteps along along the way. But the other thing is I try to learn from each of those missteps, whereas people say, how could I have been that stupid? How could I have been that dumb about that? And you know what you know. If you don't know this stuff, take it as a learning experience and take notes mentally or even in a book. I do both. And it's like, OK, I did this. I didn't like it. It didn't work for me. Or, OK, I did this and it worked. Maybe I need to uh, expand this a little bit and do more of this marketing or put a little bit more money or time into it. But the thing is trying to figure it out along the way and not being afraid to fail. I love that. That's the best advice. Is, uh, you know, one thing that frustrates me is when people don't learn from their mistakes they continue repeating those same mistakes again and again and again and it's like at that point it's no longer a mistake it's like well it's crazy because why would you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results it makes no sense yeah. at all yeah yeah all right so to wrap things up um what's one piece of advice you'd like to just give the general world it doesn't have to be about business it doesn't have to be about Anything specific, just overall, what's what's on your heart? What would you like to share with the world? Well, I'd like to say, first of all, try to figure out what your passion is. As you said earlier, if you're doing a particular task or job or even if you're trying to create a business, do something that you're passionate about and enjoy. It's going to be days that you don't enjoy because you may have somebody that's difficult or frustrated, but don't take it personally. 
they're having a bad day and you smiling or even just putting your arm around them sometime and telling them it's going to be okay. It's all the difference in the world. They just needed to hear something positive to get that dark cloud from over their heads. I love that. That's so perfect. Thank you so much for being on the Alamon show. Thank you for your time and sharing your wisdom with us. Well, I don't know about wisdom, but these things work for me. I just try to keep it simple. But thank you for having me. Of course. That was awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Alamon Show. If you are a business owner, you are in the Northern Virginia area, or you're willing to come out and visit us here in our Leesburg studio, and you've been in business for at least five years, I invite you to apply or nominate a guest for an upcoming show. Go to alamonphotography.com and click on podcast where you'll find a link to nominate a guest. And thanks as always for listening.